what I have now is I have people that are experts in each platform. So I've got a person who only does YouTube, a person who only does Instagram and Facebook because they're connected through Meta, a person that only does LinkedIn, a person that only does podcasts, a person that only does newsletters. You know, those now, now I've got uh, experts that can do that. But if I was just doing it myself, I would pick one of those things and it would probably be YouTube, Instagram, or um, it'd probably be podcast, newsletter, YouTube, or Instagram. Those to me are the four strongest things I feel that I've got that that generate consistent, high quality lead flow to what I want, which is I want to do deals with people. How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Welcome to another episode of Business Lunch. And today's a snackable episode with Roland where he's going to get into some more tactical strategies that you can start using to live a rich and happy life. If this is the first snackable episode you're hearing, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes that Roland has put out. And if you want to get notified every time we release a new episode, go to the new businesslunchpodcast.com website, and we'll send you detailed notes along with every episode. That's businesslunchpodcast.com, www.businesslunchpodcast.com, and you can sign up for the free email newsletter where you'll be able to get all the highlights and resources from the episodes. A good place to start would just talk about, uh, as I call it, origin story, kind of how you got started in the digital marketing industry and and what led to where you are now um, in a in a like kind of a summary way. Yeah. Um, so I was I've always been fascinated with computers, and as the internet in, evolved and became a thing, um, I was there at the beginning, and I was. Um, really creating sites that were insanely difficult to create and um, and market. My initial digital marketing, which was very effective, was to stuff keywords into the bottom of the site and turn the font the color of the background so that you couldn't see them. And I was a genius because I could rank anything. Um, that evolved into uh, things that made programming and uh, and and creating websites significantly easier like WordPress uh, and things like that. Uh, I was basically um, took coding courses in um, in HTML and cold fusion and Pascal and basic and all of those things uh, from when I was a kid really um, until uh, it became just so much easier to do everything. So uh, my first online stuff was, um, was in the like the gaming space and um, and education and e-learning type things. I bumped into a group of people um, who I thought were really good on the marketing side. Um, there was a guy named Ryan Dice who had a company that was not yet digital marketer. I forget what it was called at the time. And um, he did a product with a guy named Mr. X. And it was all about AdWords. And um, I bought that. And I was like, these guys seem like they know what they're doing. I should follow them. I um, There was a guy named Jeff Johnson that was talking about private blog networks and things like that. And I really liked that because I like tech stuff. So I liked SEO initially before I think I liked anything else. And um, I built a pretty extensive private blog network and used that to rank all kinds of things. And um, 
And those were kind of the, I'd probably the, the main guys that were influential to me getting started. And, um, I decided that I would try my hand at being an affiliate just to see how it worked. And, um, I was an Amazon affiliate get, you know, collecting four, four, count them 4% on my sales of Amazon products. Um, but it was fun to see the first ding, ding, dings happen. And then, um, I got, uh, enamored with what Jeff, Jeff, uh, Walker was doing with product launches and saw that people were doing product launches. And I studied that and I was like, it seems like you could probably do pretty well at that. So I tried my very first one, uh, usually when I was traveling, cause I, I had the ability to have time away. And, uh, and so from a dial up connection in Indonesia, I decided to participate in the very first launch that I did, which was for a guy named Richard Roop. And I forget what it, I forget what the name of it was, but I, um, I was like, this is, this is really cool. He, um, he did an event in, um, Las Vegas and he, I, I wish I could remember what the name of the product was, but at the event, he announced what the product was going to be. And, um, and I went to GoDaddy and I did the domain name for the product and it was free. It was available. And oh. I went out front to his team that was sitting out front and I said, are you guys going to call this, this? And, and they were like, yes, we're going to call that, that. And I was like, okay. So I bought the domain name, uh, and I bought the domain name, um, launch bonus, you know, everything I could think of that went with it. And, uh, not, not to screw him by the way, he was just not launching. He was launching it under, you know, on his regular site. So, um, I was like, okay, well, that's a pretty good advantage. And then I, I used my private blog network to SEO, all of them to be top searches. And so I had like the top eight search results for the thing. I didn't have any list by the way. Um, and so I was competing against, I think 130 people that were all the real estate top dogs who had these giant lists and everything. And, um, and I came in third and, um, it was pretty fun for me because like coming in third with no list and no experience and no presence in that world just proved how cool SEO was. And, you know, uh, uh, and that you could, you could do this product launch. Interestingly enough, um, it, he never paid anybody for the longest time. And then I was at some event, maybe three years later, again, in Las Vegas, and he came up and spoke and was like, you know, I'm so sorry, everything went terribly. Uh, and I owe people money and I brought money to pay him and he had cash and the top people that were in his launch that were there. And I happened to be there. He's like, I owe you money. Here it is. And he, and he paid. So I thought, I was like, well, that's pretty cool of him to come around. But what that told me was that I could do this product launch thing. And I was fascinated by it. So I ended up, uh, on a trip to Italy. Um, we were, my wife and I had kind of gone through France and Italy and then this volcano erupted in Iceland and put ash into the air and closed all the airports. So our flights coming home were canceled and everything. We kind of done everything. We'd been gone for almost a month and done everything we wanted to do. So I, uh, I asked her, I said, is there anything else you want to do here? We were in Na Na Naples at the time. And she said, other than eating good pizza, no. I said, okay, fair enough. Can I do this launch thing? Can I try my hand at this? And, uh, uh she's like, sure. I don't care. I got lots of stuff I want to read. So I went and found a product that um, a guy named Mike Koenigs 
was launching called uh, Main Street Marketing Machines. And I uh, I basically built, I bought the domains for Main Street Marketing Machines bonus and all this other stuff. I, um, I SEO'd it. I wrote a, I think it was like a seven or 14, maybe it was 14 page business plan, like just outlined bullet points of all the different ways I was going to market. Um, I created... YouTube videos and had 17 out of the 20 top spaces for all the key keywords. I did um, um, ranking for bonus and all of those things and was in the top. Usually I'd have like four to six of the top 10 sites on Google ranking. Um, I built a, a webinar about it. Um, I asked them, their affiliate manager if I could get the names of the people that I sent and they said, no, we're not sharing those. And I was like, okay, so I've uh, found a guy to build me a mock-up of the website that Mike had. And everybody that I sent, I sent to that site, which basically had a little robot that would register them on his site. So I had all the, the names and emails of everybody so that I could market and get them to buy his thing, but also so I had a list, which I didn't have before. And um, I ended up... Um, uh, selling, uh, it was 1.3 million roughly in six days on that launch came in first by a long shot. And, um, uh, and I was like, this is really, really cool. Um, along what, what that did for me was it gave me some, some cred in the digital marketing world. So people were like, you know, who's, who's this person that won this launch? Cause everybody was competing at the time for it. And so, um, it got me closer to, Ryan Dice, who's mastermind I joined after going to his traffic and conversion summit event. Um, ultimately, a few years later, I think it was about three years later, uh, Ryan and Perry Belcher invited me to uh, come in and be a partner with them on Digital Marketer and Traffic and Conversion Summit and all their other digital businesses. That really um, gave me a pretty big in, you know, leg into that. I had already been asked through the mastermind of theirs that I had joined uh, to be part of Kent Clothier's business, which was a real estate investing business. And so I, I kind of just took all the marketing skills that I had and knowledge and applied them in those worlds and, um, and ultimately was able to gain ownership in a whole bunch of other digital companies and, um, and do product launches and everything you might imagine that digital marketers do. How's that for a wordy story? <laughs> <laughs> it, it couldn't have been better because I, of course, have a chapter dedicated to domain names and what small businesses need to know about that and SEO, as well as other topics. But that beautifully illustrated how those two things can tie together. What what were the two products in those two launch examples? So uh, Mike's was a local business marketing thing. It was called Main Street Marketing Machines. And so it was... Basically, he had developed some software and um, and systems for helping local businesses um, market online. And um, Richards was a real estate product that I think was maybe it might have been about like raising private money for real estate deals for to do wholesaling deals. Um, those were those were those two products that evolved, by the way to a couple years ago, because I was always a very behind the scenes person uh, to where I wanted to, um, well, actually I missed a chapter too. So a chapter in between that is that after doing that launch, I had a lot of people that approached me about doing stuff. 
And I saw that there was a real opportunity to do events for people or, or to really to help people with marketing channels they weren't accessing. And so one of the biggest ones I saw was there were a lot of people that had lists that didn't monetize through masterminds, coaching, or live events. So I built a coaching program that was a bolt-on for pretty much anybody for digital marketing. I built a um, uh, an events uh, an event that basically had all of the marketing materials that if they had an audience, they could just send these. I was kind of like cut and paste for me, but they could send uh, emails out and get people to an event. And then at the event, I'd give them a coaching program. And I had one coaching program with coaches that could kind of help any of them. So I sold, it was a, a it was called Go-Getters was the, was the mastermind. And we basically, I would do these events and um, they would put people in it. We'd split the profits 50-50. And I had maybe 14 or 15 people that I was doing that with. So I ended up doing all these events and, uh, and it was really fun. And then at the event, we would sell masterminds and coaching, which I had put those together. And so I kind of had these little, this little bolt on set of things that I could do for people. But ultimately I realized I wasn't really building assets that were long-term because it was around other people's brands. And, um, and I didn't want to have to depend on them to, you know, to, to do things. So I, I stopped doing that. I did later on also decide that it was really important to have a personal brand because I was behind the scenes in all of that. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm seeing this. I don't want to be famous, but I like the rich part. So um, maybe it makes sense to at least have some presence out there. And so about uh, maybe three years ago, I decided I, I wanted to have a personal brand. So I started a podcast and I uh, started paying attention to my Instagram and YouTube and all that. And uh, I ended up getting a million followers on Facebook and um, and then deciding I wanted to go into all those other channels. And so now I kind of have a good cross section of of presence of, you know, of good people there, which leads to a, a lot of deals. And that's my main, you know, my main goal. So a couple of things just to add to the mix since you're talking about those different chapters, those, those are all things, I mean, to me, you, you ideally want it all. Uh, you really do. You want good domain names. You want good SEO. You want good content marketing. You want a good personal brand presence, you know, and then you want to have uh, a good value ladder that lets you access all of those things. Email list, which I, I didn't have a list forever, right? And so then when I finally decided, okay, I'm going to build a list, I need to have that. Um, that's such an important asset that I think a lot of people ignore, particularly small businesses. So if I'm thinking about, you know, advising businesses, it's definitely, um, look, the very first thing we need to do is collect all the people that you've already got that know, like, and trust you and aggregate them in a place where we can connect and contact with them. And the logical places would be email, direct mail, and social media, right? Those are places and text. Those are places that we can we can connect with those people and put offers of value in front of them and turn that into money. You've given me like, I'm making a list of all the follow-up questions because that's, you, you, I mean, what you're talking about aligns specifically with my messaging and what I'm trying to convey in this book and what my clients and potential clients out there are looking for. So one last awesome. follow-up on the original story if, if you just could throw a ballpark like value on those first two affiliate or those two affiliate examples that you gave, 
it, you know, what, what, I mean, like the power of a domain name to generate blank, you know, dollars type of a, a, a phrase. Yeah. So, so the, it, <laughs> that basically up front, I, I ended up, so it was a 50% commission on the, um, on the sales of those products. So my direct commissions were about 800,000, but because I came in first, I got a 15% bump. So I ended up with a 65% commission on the million three. So that's what 650 plus, um, I don't know, uh, 200, right? So call it, call it 850 just from that. Um, and then maybe another 100K from the other launch because it was small. But then I, uh, I took the people that, because I created the list, because I did the little cloning thing and got the list. So I now had that list of people. So there was an event that Mike did for all the people that had bought his thing. And he did it at the Paradise Point. And I asked him, I said, are you going to sell coaching at that event? And he said, no, I just sell a certification. I was like, awesome. So his event started at one o'clock on the first day. And I went to the hotel and I said, can I get a room for eight to 12 on the first day? I want to have all the people that I sold. But not only that, I wanted to get everybody else that was at the event there too, because they were all coming. And, and um, he had to give consent to me to have that room, which he did. And um, and then at the hotel, I went to them and I said, can I buy the dark channel that you show in the rooms of all the previews of stuff like that, like the ads and stuff? Can I just buy that? How much is that? They said $1,200. I was like, done. Can I create a video and give it to you that will play in all the rooms? Because all the people in the rooms are going to be the people that bought that thing. So in the rooms, I played a video that said, you know, hey, I'm Roland Frazier and I sold, you know, a bunch of this stuff and I've got this event and I've got really cool people that are going to talk and we're going to show you how to do all these cool things. Come to the event before the event. And um, I paid people to stand out in the street, uh, in the parking lot and the, the open area of the hotel and hand out flyers for that. I paid, I think it was about $500 to the person at the front desk that was working that day to hand out flyers to everybody that was checking in for the event. I ended up having hundreds of people. Like I was over capacity in the room I had, plus it was glass walls on either side. And there were people lined up around the edge of the glass inside and outside. Uh, I did a four hour event. I offered a coaching program at like $25,000 and ended up selling, um, no, it wasn't a ton, but it was another 400,000 that day. Um, and then another roughly 2 million after that in follow-up to all the people that I had from that. So like, and I of course increased my list again, because all the people that weren't on it now knew about me. And then I, I, uh, went to the people that were the stars of like, you know, you do case studies, when you are uh, trying to sell something. So he had like his case study stars. So I went to them and I said, are you making any money from this? And they're like, no, but we're, you know, it's good stuff and we're happy to help. And I said, would you like to make money? And they said, yeah. And I said, how about if I give you this much per, per sale to coach the people that I get into the program? So I didn't even have to fulfill the program. I just paid them effectively about 5% of what I was selling the thing for and they were thrilled because they got to make a bunch of money that they didn't get to make before. I was thrilled because I didn't have to do the work. All I had to do was put the whole thing together. And then that list went on to generate another, uh, I mean, let's be conservative and say a million dollars. So it was 
I mean, it was a lot. It was such a cascade of things that came from that very first seed of let me get the right domain to get in front of the right people, then SEO that domain, then uh, market in all the channels that I can to get more of those people in, then piggyback off of the momentum of somebody that had created something that was related to that domain. That's That was kind of the whole thing. And then how do I blow that up and monetize it in as many ways as possible? That that is fantastic. <laughs> that is incredible. That is, and incredible. all that thank thanks to the uh, Iceland volcano blowing up <laughs> and my wife being willing to let me do this. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is fantastic. I remember that, by the way, when that yeah. happened, it affected all the flights <laughs> and the whole deal. Right. Yeah, that that's crazy. Okay, so you mentioned um, at, at some point in that whole progression. You were like, um, it, you know, you decided to create this brand and then you you just sort of glazed over and said, and then I had a million followers on social. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I, what that that's something that everybody struggles with. Like everybody wants that big number, that big following. What I, I mean, to go like just say, hey, I got right now a million, like that that's pretty massive. What was there any transformational moments in that process of acquiring that kind of a following? It took me eight months. My goal was to get a million followers, which is the wrong goal, I realized uh, after I had it. But um, I had tried and thought about doing content before. And I was like, man, it's it's just so much work to like, how do I come up with stuff to say that people care about on a regular basis and do that and put that out with the frequency that you're supposed to like multiple times a day or whatever it is that 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 it took. And so I just had failed at it for the longest time. And then one day I was having breakfast at, um, at a restaurant that's near me with, um, two guys that ran a pretty big lead gen business. Um, one of my business partners, uh, at the time, Perry Belcher and one other person. And we just had this great conversation and they were talking about how they were doing copy and how they created avatars and stuff like that. And I was like, this is really good stuff. And I had taken notes. I, I always took notes and I still had, uh, I had, you know, whatever version of the iPhone was available at the time. And so I'm just sitting there taking the notes. And then at the end, there was so much cool stuff. And I was like, do you guys mind if I just like, if you point the phone at me and I say, Hey, this is Roland Frazier and I'm having breakfast with a bunch of friends of mine. We talked about some really cool stuff. And then let me take the phone from you and ask you some questions. They're like, no, I don't mind that at all. So that was what I did. And after that, I did it hundreds of times. Every time that I met with anybody, I would basically just, because I always take notes anyway, I would pick like the three most cool things that we talked about. And usually it was over a meal at like breakfast or lunch or dinner or something like that or drinks. And, uh, and then at the end with, cause I didn't want to edit it. I didn't want to have to deal with microphones and all that stuff. I probably would invest in a microphone and a lapel now, but, um, but I didn't at the time. And so basically I would just literally say, will you hold the phone? I'd hit record. They would point it at me. I would grab the phone while it's still recording, spin it around and record them. So, you know, it was like, you, you got the full motion sickness, uh, uh, event from doing that. But those interviews then I would post and they were short. They were one minute to maybe eight minutes long. 
and I would post them on Facebook. And then I would spend $10 a day for five days to buy traffic to that from to that post, the worst, stupidest way that you could ever do it through what's called boosting a post. Like every Facebook ad person is like, oh, oh my God, you didn't do that. You know, yes, I did. Cause I didn't know how to do the rest. And I didn't want any friction. To me, the key is no friction, no editor friction, no team following me around friction. No, I've got to pay all those people friction, no advertising mastery friction, just a dumb, stupid, dead easy Let's record what we already talked about with people I was already meeting with. Again, no friction, no interviews to schedule, nothing, right? And um, and then if I'd go to an event, I would make I would make sure to talk to the people that I thought had cool things to offer, and I'd get fifteen of them, right? So I had plenty of content without any extra effort at all, other than hey, can we record this? And then posting it and buying that that ten dollars a day for five days and over eight months, I think I spent maybe maybe 10 grand 12 grand uh to do it and i had a million followers now i was not as good with my targeting as i could have been um so a, a lot of that was like i had a lot of it's good for vanity but it's not necessarily great for monetiz monetizing although i sold about 25 events over a period of 18 months where i would put um usually 15 to 25 people in a, in a boardroom and um, I would offer them a 25,000 or $100,000 thing. And the average small event like that, which I marketed exclusively through Facebook videos was, um, was in the neighborhood of $400,000. Uh, so, you know, I'd get three people that would buy the $100,000 thing and four people that would buy the 25 K thing. And the others, you know, didn't buy that time. Um, but that was, that was pretty cool monetization proof, but, um, I would way rather have 5,000 or 10,000 really, really dedicated fans to like, that really appreciate and follow what I do than a million people that don't really do anything, but were curious about one of the things I posted. And so I got a lot more intentional when I decided to go to, TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and those other channels, LinkedIn. And so on those channels, I might have um, 30,000 to 70,000 people uh, on each of those channels, but they're way, way more profitable. And we track through links when I do a post to drive uh, traffic to an offer where they come from. And, you know, I'd say it's 30% organic that it's coming from just putting links in bios or putting videos out on those channels with that are not paid. And then the rest is through email lists and paid and things like that. So that was it. It was a eight month intentional, how can I create content at scale easily without any friction um, and, and get people. And I would only target the people that had interests in entrepreneurship and um, you know, uh, marketing and business and things like that. But that was too broad. That's why like those million people, they're interested in business or they're interested in Mark Cuban or Tony Robbins, but they're not, you know, they're not interested in me or my message so much as they, they liked that they consumed the content and they decided that it was enough to, to become a fan on the fan page, but it not like a loyal fan, if you know what I mean. And was it, was it really, I mean, were you interviewing people that had name recognition? So was it was several it of them? Yeah. 
And and was it that that really had people that would get people's attention or no, just the I, value just, of the content or the yeah because I I didn't I, I wasn't smart enough to like tag um, I I mean I have friends that are well known uh, like Ryan Dice or John Asaroff or people like that um, uh, and that have big followings like Drew Canoli had big following and I'd interview him and but I didn't get like giant spikes from their people because I wasn't really advertising to their people. You know, I was like, I was just boosting again, terrible way to do it. Uh, according to every Facebook person I know. Uh, but I was just boosting out there to anyone who was generally interested in say business or entrepreneurship or marketing. So very, very broad categories. Um, I did not notice big spikes. I would notice it more now because I've got a team of people that would say, Hey, that was an interview with uh, Tucker, uh, Max, and we should target all the Tucker Max's fans. Okay, great. You know, cool. Um, so I had lots of interviews with people like that. Cause I, I just know people like that, but I didn't, um, I didn't really take advantage of it. Do you think that technique would work today? And Absolutely. when you say that you wouldn't use that boosting technique as the primary thing today, what would you do instead? Like, and, and I I'm would, thinking I would, of our audience here. Yeah. For, so them. if I had the budget, I would go and, and hire somebody that's good. And what I have now is I have people that are experts in each platform. So I've got a person who only does YouTube, a person who only does Instagram and Facebook because they're connected through Meta, a person that only does LinkedIn, a person that only does podcasts, a person that only does newsletters. You know, those now, now I've got uh, experts that can do that. But if I was just doing it myself, I would pick one of those things and it would probably be YouTube, Instagram, or um, it'd probably be podcast, newsletter, YouTube, or Instagram. Those to me are the four strongest things I feel that I've got that that generate consistent, high quality lead flow to what I want, which is I want to do deals with people. And would you still approach it in that interview content, value-based content? Generation? Yeah. And, yeah. As a matter of fact, I, so I have tried, I have hired the people that did um, Cody Sanchez and Alex Ramosi's stuff and it's brutal. The schedule is brutal. It's, you know, it's like they, they send you, they do all the research. They send you ideation sheets that are based on their research of the data and trends. These are the things you need to create. They'll even give you the scripts for them, but the, but you working for them and putting your spin on it and then them turning it into scripts. And then you sit in front of a, you know, a camera every Monday for five hours recording this stuff. It's not particularly fun. So I would definitely, I, I and I did that and then stopped doing that and said, look, I've got so much content anyway I do have a content vault, which I would recommend that everybody think about starting the minute that you think about the minute that you create any content. So my content vault is basically a keyword coded uh, or keyword tagged Dropbox full of anything I do. So if I do a podcast interview with somebody, I'll generally ask for a copy of it. If I do um, a speech out, you know, if I speak somewhere, I'll I'll ask for a copy of it. All of my coaching calls, all the stuff I do online, all my consults, everything goes into the content vault that in addition to courses that I create and trainings and things like that, that's a giant thousands and thousands of hour vault that gets keyword coded. So now if somebody comes, if my social person from Instagram says, I want to do a reel about, um, you know, uh, 
mergers and acquisitions, you know, then they'll put that in and they'll get 400 things that they can go look at that are videos that now they can pull from. So I don't have to create that content anymore unless I want to. And that's cool. Cause like, I do want to, I, I think about lots of things, you know, I sent out maybe six things this morning at between four and 5 AM to people saying, this is a really cool angle. What do you think about this? And, uh, or to my, uh, podcast, you know, uh, which, uh, which I have partially with Ryan Dice and partially by myself, uh, I'll send it to him and say, this would be good for us to talk about. And then that content gets created kind of organically, but the people who are in char charge of posting from all those different platforms, they just go in and find, uh, you know, a buffet of different things that they can pick that's applicable to whatever data they say we should be talking about now without them frantically saying, it's Monday, we need 16 videos about this. I'm like, oh, that sounds, yeah, that just sounds terrible. So I kind of ran the, the Facebook thing, I think, uh, excuse me, the the phone thing to me is the easiest way to get started. So I would strongly recommend it. Absolutely works. All you have to do is like, and 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 here's here's the thing that I found uh, to be really effective is is that taking notes. Like I started, let's uh, thinking, well, let's record the whole lunch. That's terrible because there's so much boring stuff. So if instead they're getting a highlight reel at the end because I signposted, you know, a few things that I thought were cool that we talked about. Then the video is very, very concentrated, full of value as opposed to not. Now I'll tell you though, there's a couple of people whose names I can't think of right now that have done, Payson Morby would be one, um, but that have blown up YouTube channels like huge into millions of followers through uh, just kind of reality TV type stuff. But, but to me, that's lots and lots of camera in your face and in your, in your space life most of the day. And I, I just don't, that's not what I want to do. You know, I, I like, I like privacy and not having a bunch of people around me all the time. All right. So, so what you, you kind of have that lunch, you'd have that dinner, you'd have that thing and you're kind of making mental note or, or even you're the people you're having that meal with are aware of it. And at the end, you're like, oh, okay, let's 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 kind of recap this, yeah. this, this, and this. Hey, do you mind if we do a video? We talked about two or three cool things. Do you mind if we do a video and I put it up on Facebook? I never, I, I never got somebody that said no. Uh, Is there I a never sweet spot like five minutes or or? Yeah, know, it's it's definitely. Time. I'd say now it's less. I'd say it's one to three, really. Yeah. Unless it's like unless you're really going deep into something that is a that's a, a crowd is interested in the the shorter the better you know in the in the one to one to three minutes range you, you is pretty good i think when you get past that it's it's too much it's also to me very important that you caption things because for me most of the content that i consume is in places where i can't listen to it and so i read it and so captioning to me is is way way more important than it ever has been and do you use like an auto caption type of thing or do you go deeper? I do. Yeah. We, we use Descript is, is the thing now. And, and the other thing that we're doing now is so like a lot of the marketing that I do now is not me, even though it's me talking, it's a Hey Gen digital twin of me with a script that was created by people that aren't me, you know, so it's me talking and saying things, but it's not actually me. And it's not actually me that created the script. So that's kind of a, an interesting thing too.
how hard was it to to train that software to be able to do that good enough that you could use it? So I did a test on it the first time because I like to, I have a newsletter that's called AI Experiments. And so we'll actually take the new stuff and say, how does this actually work, right? So, uh, you know, instead of you could do this and wouldn't it be cool if you could do that? It's like, that doesn't help anybody. What if we actually test three different things that do this and say, this worked or didn't? Or what if we say, here's my experiment. I am in a, and this is what it was. I am at an event in a green room full of noise and terrible acoustics. And I'm going to record a video with an iPhone because I don't have any fancy cameras. And it's going to, uh, and I'm going to record a two minute video of me just talking and about nonsense. And then we're going to upload that two minute video to HeyGen is the one that I was using. And uh, we're going to see, we're going to let it create a digital twin. Then we're going to feed a script that's generated by ChatGPT into that to offer a $7 webinar. And then we're going to create a script and use that same digital avatar to do a 45-minute presentation to sell something. So we we ended up with, I want to say it was about $1,107 sales that came from that janky, j- janky recorded, janky done video. It was terrible as far as like ultimate quality. Um, we then had on the 45-minute uh, webinar, we sold, I think we ended up at about $150,000 of stuff. So all AI, two-minute video, horrible setting, and, you know, 160 grand, call it, of of in, by the way, that was 24 hours, in 24 hours. So like, yes, you can absolutely do that. And I'm in love with what you can do with AI right now. Like the audio, the so for your audio book, for example, my audio book of the book that I did with Jay is uh, all done through 11 laps. It's not me, uh, but it's me talking for nine hours, right? But that would, and I was looking to see, I don't have any, uh, my books on HVAC all done by 11 labs, chat GPT, Dolly, uh, and, uh, and I've got them in multiple languages, you know? So it's, it's so cool to me how AI has enhanced and infused marketing to make it so much easier. So, you know, now we need a video to go to a person who is, um, who is interested in one of our things and it's a high ticket and just a, you know, a booyah from the person who's the face is a good thing. Now AI can be like me saying, Hey Matt, I know that you were thinking about investing in our program and you were talking to uh, Deanna, who's our salesperson. I just want to let you know that I think for you and your son to come in, it's going to be the best thing ever. And that little video that I didn't have to create that's totally personalized to that person can really make a difference in conversions on sales, right? And that's, so that's like that form of digital marketing uh, is so interesting to me. Um, One of the things I love learning about are what people uh, in in the story behind what people consider to be transformational moments in in a career, especially successful career like yourself. you mentioned earlier how you, you were kind of getting started and, and you were you went to traffic and conversion, you 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 were doing some things, and then was, all of a sudden you were like, oh, and I'm business partners with Ryan Dice now. And and so, but th- there were probably moments in that journey that you could identify. It was like this happened and it changed 
everything. And it doesn't have to be that storyline, although I'm interested, but maybe yeah, even any other line. moments like that in your career where it was like this moment, this is where everything changed again. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you want to double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why private equity firms, family offices, big companies like Apple, Google, and some of the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet do not start new businesses from scratch. They acquire already successful businesses. And when they do it, they instantly increase their sales, their profits. If they want market share, they increase that. They can get new products and services to offer all instantly. Hey, look, 90% of new businesses fail. 90%. Why not acquire an already successful business and increase your chances of success by 900%? What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now, and I cover the whole process in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you. 100% free. Just visit businesslunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you wanna double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why Private equity firms, family offices, big companies like Apple, Google, and some of the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet do not start new businesses from scratch. They acquire already successful businesses. And when they do it, they instantly increase their sales, their profits. If they want market share, they increase that. They can get new products and services to offer all instantly. Hey, look, 90% of new businesses fail. 90%. Why not acquire an already successful business and increase your chances of success by 900%? What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now, and I cover the whole process in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you 100% free. Just visit businesslunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available.